0: Our scripture reading that Pastor Robert will be preaching from today is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, the second chapter. Prepare your heart and mind for reading of holy text. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: This morning, we conclude our sermon series titled, Like Jesus. And in this series, uh, we've been talking about how we uh, see like Jesus, how we can listen like Jesus, how we can speak like Jesus. And today, we talk about how do we be like Jesus. Uh, we close by looking at how we can follow in Jesus' footsteps. Uh, but first, I have a, a, a fun story, at least I found it fun. One evening uh, in a restaurant in Eufaula, Alabama, uh, there was a, a man at the counter, and and suddenly Paul Bear Bryant walks up next to him, and, and the man says, oh my gosh, it's such an honor to meet you. Uh, my name is, is Coach Jack, and I coach high school football, and I'm here with some of my coaching friends. We're sitting in the back. It would really be fun if in a few minutes you could walk by and act like you know me. You know, and Coach Bryant, feeling a little playful, said, Well, sure. So a few minutes later, as the group of coaches are talking, Paul Bear Bryant walks by and he goes, Well, hello there, Coach Jack. And Jack looks up at him and says, Not now, Bear. We're busy. (laughs) You know? That fun little story says something about our human condition that we always want to feel a little bit more powerful than we really are. You know, or at the very least, you know, we want to take what we have and show people how it makes us even better. You know, it's no accident that we associate pridefulness with terms of being up high, like the proud are said to look their noses down at other people. Or it's said that they're riding their high horse, or they have a lofty opinion of themselves, or a very soaring ego. When we think of things that keep us from being like Jesus, that's really the definition of what sin is. Sin are those things in our life that keep us from living in the way in which God desires for us to live. And when we think of these things, naturally we think of things like stealing or murder or perversions of some nature, but we oftentimes skip over some of those sins in even sometimes celebrate them, they're a little bit more like pride. Pride is one of those things that, if it's left unchecked, can derail us from being who God wants us to be. Pride can be the culprit behind many actions like having a lack of compassion, being abusive to others or even destroying some beautiful ministries that really help people. Uh, The great Billy Graham said it like this, when pride controls our lives, we end up thinking we are better than anyone else. Prideful people also have little love or compassion for others and are only interested in themselves. Most of all, a prideful person thinks they have little need for God. Believing their way is always best. This is why pride is at the root of almost every other sin. Because we think we can ignore God's ways. No wonder, the Bible says, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. And kind of like Maggie said during the children's moment, right? Not not all pride is bad. We, We want to have pride in our work. We love it when people we respect say that they are proud of us. We want to work hard and get good grades. But pride that's healthy is about building people up. What I'm talking about here is a destructive pride that centers just on the self, the self-absorbed pride. And selfish pride is especially destructive to relationships with God and each other. That's because the opposite of being like Jesus is focusing on ourself. Here in this passage in Philippians, Paul is teaching them how to be like Jesus. The great irony is that Jesus is the one being that is more lofty and more powerful than any other being that has ever been on this planet. Yet, Paul says he emptied himself for the sake of others. He refused to use his power for prideful things, but rather gave himself up so that others, so that we could have new life. Now, This is countercultural for us today, right? Now, that's not saying that our culture's bad or good. It's just different. You know, we, we in our culture, we celebrate rags to riches stories, don't we? I mean, we live in a place where you can grow up poor in a log cabin and become president of the United States like Abraham Lincoln. Or like Dolly Parton who grew up in the foothills of Tennessee, with barely anything to her name and her parents struggled to get food on the table. However, the story we're talking about, the story of Jesus, the greatest story ever told, the story that offers new life to everyone is not a rags to riches story. (laughs) It's a riches to rags story. And you see this all throughout the Gospels. You see that Jesus, the path to following him, has signposts on it that says things like, sell all you have and give it to the poor. If someone takes your coat, then you need to give them your shirt as well. And things like the first shall be the last how the Philippians were struggling with pride is prevalent. And so Paul begins to make a pitch for them to change how they're living their life. Uh, In verse 1, we didn't read verse 1. We started with verse 5. But I think it's important for us to look at verse 1 because Paul gives kind of a... uh, tongue-in-cheek shaming, right, to the Philippians. So let's, let's see what Paul, how he starts this chapter. He writes, If then there is any comfort in Christ, any consolation from love, any partnership in the Spirit, any tender affection and sympathy, make my joy complete, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now, what what Paul is trying to tell the, the people in that church is if Jesus means anything to you, if his love strikes in your heart in any way, if the Holy Spirit is a part of you, if you can find so much of an ounce of compassion in you somewhere, then y'all, why aren't you living in humble unity? The selected verses that, that we did read that Maggie read for us was a, was a hymn that the people would sing in their gatherings together. Now, hymns are a great way in which we can learn about how God wants us to live in the world. That's why so many pastors use hymns as part of their sermons. Paul hopes that this familiar song will drive home to the Philippians his point. It's a sneaky kind of way for Paul to trap the Philippians in their own words. Paul saying, you sing of this all the time. Why aren't you guys living it out? To be like Jesus we must empty ourselves for the sake of others so that they can experience new life. Uh, and for us to truly do this, for us to truly empty ourselves, that means we have to deal with the pride that is in our lives. We have to deal with the self. We have to look in the mirror. And God, through Jesus, showed us a path that leads not only to new life for us, but for those we encounter. And that path he chose was the path of humility. And and humility can mean a lot of different things in our uh, language, Uh, unpresuming, self-effacing, Uh, self-deprecating. In the Greek, though, the words point to a translation that that points more to a frame of mind, which is other-centered, doesn't focus on the self. And if you're going to be like Jesus, you have to empty yourself and not focus on yourself. And I believe that there are some things that we can begin doing uh, right today to help us chip away at that pride in our life. And I'm going to use the word self as a uh, cross stick to help us discover ways to reduce pride and increase humility. So uh, I invite you, if you're a note taker, to on the back of your bulletin, there's some space there. You can write S E L F as we go through this together. The first thing that I think we can do to be more like Jesus is to see yourself. I really mean see yourself. You know, in our uh, social media accounts, those of us that use those, uh, they have these functions where you can filter out the picture so so that you can you know, minimize the things in the picture that you don't like about yourself. Uh, Our self-concept is a little bit like that. We tend to naturally filter out those things in our lives that that we don't care for, or we don't like, or we don't find all that flattering. So, it's really difficult to take a hard look at ourselves. So, I'm going to just lift up a couple, uh, I call them hacks so that we can better understand who we really are. When when we're having conversations with other people, I want to encourage you to to pause before you speak. Uh, Don't don't pause in a way that makes it awkward or weird, but pause just a couple seconds, and then you can have a more thoughtful response. Uh, A very powerful way to get to uh, know yourself better. And I didn't come up with this. I I found it in a blog this week. It's called Five-Word Method. And it's really simple. All you do is write down five words that you think describe yourself. Uh, And then find three people who are close to you. Uh, They they suggested a good friend, uh, a coworker or classmate, and a family member. So you got three people. Then you ask them to write five words that they think describes you. The trick is you can't give them too much time because if you give them too much time, they'll be really, really nice. Uh, Only give them about three to five minutes. Let it be their gut reaction and then compare what others say about you and what you see in yourself. Uh, The next thing we can do to, to empty ourselves and be more like Jesus, is express gratitude. In Psychology Today, there was an article that lifted up seven scientifically proven things that we benefit when we're grateful people. And here they are real quick. Gratitude opens the door to more relationships. It improves our physical health. It improves our psychological health. It enhances empathy. Uh, Grateful people sleep better, Improves self-esteem, and finally, gratitude makes your mind stronger. When we look at, at what we gain when we're thankful people, it's no wonder that Paul, when he's in a ancient prison cell, writes to Jesus' followers, be thankful in all things. It's through finding the good in our situation that we are able to be the love of Jesus Christ. Now, we all know no matter how positive our mindset is, life is just difficult sometimes. Uh, One of the things that you can do to help you be a thankful person is surround yourself with reminders of things you're thankful for. Uh, You've probably worked or gone to school with those people that that have like a gazillion pictures of their family all over the place, almost like it's a crime scene uh, photo in their cubicle of something that happened. You can get a ticket of something that, that you experienced with with someone and it was a really joyful time and tape it on your mirror. So you're reminded of those things in life in which you're thankful for. Uh, Another thing uh, that that we can do to remind us to to be thankful people is to tell people, thank you. Go home this afternoon, think of one person in your life you're grateful for and send them an email, send them a card, send them a text. Our phones do work for talking to people as well, so maybe pick up the phone and call them and tell them how thankful you are that they are in your life. Another way that we can chip away at our pride is to laugh at yourself. Uh, There's an old saying, blessed are they that laugh at themselves, for they shall never cease to be entertained. Once you begin to look at the humor in situations, you begin to find the humor everywhere. Prideful people just take themselves way too seriously. Pride gets in the way of us seeing people for who they really are. Uh, One of my first spiritual mentors was my grandmother. Uh, My grandmother, to my knowledge, is the first one to ever take me to church, and I would have Sunday dinner at her house every Sunday afternoon until I moved to Birmingham at age 25. And so we had lots of spiritual conversations around the dinner table that's full of homemade fried chicken and macaroni and cheese and potato salad. You're beginning to see why I have a weight problem, Uh, because I was conditioned for 25 years to enjoy homemade food, but she could not bake. <laughs> she would get those brown and serve rolls. They still sell them today. You know what I'm talking about. They're in those box, and every week, the bottoms would be just about burnt <laughs> off. She was a good-natured person. She was in the hospital one time, and uh, they you know how they do when you're in the hospital, test after test after test, and the orderlies came and got her. And they were wheeling her down the hall and she said to them, she said, "Uh, so where am I going now? And they said, well, we're going to take you to get a CAT scan. She said, what's that? They said, well, we're going to take some pictures of your brain. She goes, oh, you're not going to find anything in there. (laughs) Because of her joyous nature, she disarmed people and people were able to go to her and have real conversations, because when they were in her presence, they knew they were loved and cared for without any pretension. The last thing we can do to focus on being more like Jesus is focus on others. A person who is truly striving to be like Jesus will serve other people. Now, this requires us to put our own needs aside in order to lift up other people. Uh, Dallas Willard said this, Love eliminates pride because its will for the good of the other nullifies our arrogant presumption that we should get our way. I'm going to read that one more time. And I'm not reading it for you, I'm reading it for me. Love eliminates pride because its will for the good of the other nullifies our arrogant presumption that we should get our way. When we focus on others, we take the role of a servant. In our text today, it says, he took on the role of a slave. Jesus came to earth, lived as an ordinary human being, humbled himself, washed his disciples' feet for the sake of other people. I think that we forget Of the sacrifice that Jesus made to come and live amongst people as a human being. When we talk about the sacrifice of Jesus, more often than not, we talk about the crucifixion, right? <laughs> Which is part of it. But. What we miss is that Jesus walked on this earth as a human, looked into the eyes of people. And as he looked into the eyes of people, they had no recognition that he was the son of God. And as he walked on the earth in the creation that God carefully made, and loved and cared for, he saw devastation, hatred, abusiveness. And then he went to the cross and he suffered the most humiliating death of its time. Crucifixion. Paul says he emptied himself. He gave up his pride, his power, so that people could have new life. And Paul lays that out and says to the Philippians, do you get it? You have to be like that. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you. We thank you for giving us the opportunity of new life. Help us to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen.